Chapter Fourteen of Ravensdene Court by J. S. Fletcher. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Solomon Fish. It needed but one glance at Scarterfield's visitor to assure me that he was a person who would use the sea. There was the suggestion of salt water and strong winds all over him, from his grizzled hair and beard to his big brawny hands and square-set build. He looked the sort of man who all his life had been looking out across wide stretches of ocean and battling with the forces of nature in her roughest moods. Just then there was questioning in his keen blue eyes. He was obviously wondering, with all the native suspicion of a simple soul, what Scarterfield might be after. "'You're asking for me?' said the detective. The man glanced from one to the other of us, then jerked a big thumb in the direction of some region beyond the open door behind his burly figure. "'Mrs. Ormthwaite,' he said, bending a little towards Scarterfield, she said as how there was a gentleman stopping in this here house as was making inquiries, you see, about Netherfield Baxter as used to live hereabouts, so I come along. Scarterfield contrived to jog my elbow. Without a word he turned towards the door of the smoking-room, motioning his visitor to follow. We all went into the corner wherein, on the previous afternoon, Scarterfield had told me of his investigations and discoveries at Blythe. Evidently I was now to hear more. But Scarterfield asked for no further information until he had provided our companion with refreshment in the shape of a glass of rum and a cigar, and his first question was of a personal sort. "'What's your name, then?' he inquired. "'Fish,' replied the visitor promptly. "'Solomon, as everybody is aware.' Blythe man, no doubt, suggested Scarterfield. Born and bred, master, said Fish, and lived here always, excepting when I've been away, which to be sure has been considerable. But whether north or south, east or west, always make for the old spot when on dry land. That is to say, when in this here country. Then you know Netherfield Baxter? asked Scarterfield. Fish waved his cigar. As a baby, as a boy, as a young man, he declared, cut many a toy boat for him at one stage, taught him to fish at another, went sailing with him in a bit of a yawl that he had when he was growed up. Know him? Do I know my own mother? Just so, said Scarterfield, understandingly. To be sure, you know Baxter quite well, of course. He paused a moment, and then leaned across the table round which the three of us were sitting. "'And when did you see him last?' he asked. Fish, to my surprise, laughed. It was a queer laugh. There was incredulity, uncertainty, a sense of vagueness in it. It suggested that he was puzzled. "'Aye, once,' said he. "'That's just it, master. And I asks you, and this other gent, which I take him to be a friend of yours and confidential, I ask you, can a man trust his own eyes and his own ears, can he now, solemn? I've always trusted mine, Fish, answered Scarterfield. Same here, master, till a while ago, replied Fish. But now I ain't so mortal sure of that matter as I was. Cause according to my eyes, and according to my ears, I see Netherfield Baxter, and I hear Netherfield Baxter inside of three weeks ago. 
he brought down his big hand on the table with a hearty smack as he spoke the last word or two the sound of it was followed by a dead silence in which scarterfield and i exchanged quick glances fish picked up his tumbler took a gulp at its contents and set it down with emphasis gospel truth he exclaimed that you did see him asked scarterfield gospel truth master that if my eyes and ears is to be trusted i see him and i hear him declared fish only he continued after a pause during which he stared fixedly first at me then at scarterfield only he said as how he wasn't he d'ye understand denied hisself what you mean is that the man you took for baxter said you were mistaken and that he wasn't baxter suggested scarterfield that it you puts it very plain master assented fish that is what did happen but if the man i refers to wasn't netherfield baxter then i've no more eyes than this here cigar and no more ears than that glass fact but you've never had reason to doubt either before i suppose said scarterfield and you're not inclined to doubt them now now then let's get to business you really believe fish that you met netherfield baxter about three weeks ago that's about it isn't it never mind what the man said you took him to be baxter now where was this hull replied fish three weeks ago come friday under what circumstances asked scarterfield tell us about it ain't such a long story neither remarked fish and seeing as how according to widow ormthwaite you're making some inquiries about baxter i don't mind telling cause i've been mighty puzzled ever since i see this chap well you see i landed at hull for my last voyage been out eastard and back with a trading vessel what belongs to hull owners and before coming home here to blyth knocked about a day or two in that port with an old messmate of mine that i chanced to meet there now then one morning as i say three weeks ago it is come this friday me and my mate which his name is jim shanks of hartlepool and can corroborate as they call it what i says we turns into a certain old-fashioned place there is there in hull in a bit of an alley off high street you'll know hull no doubt you gentlemen never been there replied scarterfield i have said i i know it well especially the high street then you'll know governor that all around about that high street there's still a lot of queer old places as ancient as what is continued fish me and my mate shanks knew one what we'd oft use in times past the goose and crane as snug a spot as you'll find in any shipping town in this here country maybe you'll know it i've seen it from the outside fish i answered a fine old front half timber that's it governor and as pleasant inside as its remarkable outside he said well my mate and me we goes in there for a morning glass and into a room where you'll find some interesting folk about that time of day there's a sign on the door of that room gentlemen what reads for master mariners only but it's an old piece of work and you don't want to take no heed of it me and shanks we ain't master mariners though we may look it in our shore rig out and we've used that room whenever we've been in hull well now we gets our glasses and our cigars and we sits down in a quiet corner to enjoy ourselves 
and observe what company drops in some queer old birds there is comes into that place i do assure you gentlemen and some strange tales of seafaring life you can hear howsomever there wasn't nothing particular struck me that morning until it was getting on to dinner-time and me and shanks was thinking o' laying a course for our lodgings where we'd ordered a special bit of dinner to celebrate our happy meeting like when in comes the man i'm talking about and if he wasn't netherfield baxter what i'd known ever since he was the height of a sixpennyworth of copper then says i a man's eyes and a man's ears isn't to be trusted fish said scarterfield who is listening intently it'll be best if you give us a description of this man tell us as near as you can what he's like i mean of course the man you saw at the goose and crane our visitor seemed to pull his mental faculties together he took another pull at his glass and several at his cigar well he said tain't much in my line that me not being a scholar but i can give a general idea d'ye see master a tallish good-looking chap as the woman had called handsome sort of rakish fellow you understand dressed very smart blue serge suit good stuff new straw hat black band brown boots polished and shining quite the swell as netherfield always was even when he'd got through his money the gentleman lord bless your souls i knew him for all that i hadn't seen him for several years and that he'd grown a beard a beard eh interrupted scarterfield beard and moustache assented fish what colour asked scarterfield what you might call a golden brown replied fish cut the beard was to a point suited him scarterfield drew out his pocket-book and produced a slightly faded photograph that of a certain good-looking rather nattish young man taken in company with a fox terrier he handed it to fish is that baxter he asked ay as he was years ago said fish i know that well enough used to be one of them in the photographer's window down the street outside here but now do you see he's grown a beard otherwise the same well said scarterfield what happened this man came in was he alone no replied fish he'd two other men with him one was a chap about his own age just as smart as what he was and dressed similar t'other was an older man in his shirt-sleeves and without a hat seemed to me he'd brought baxter and his friend across from some shop or other to stand him a drink anyways he did call for drinks whisky and soda and the three on em stood together talking and as soon as i heard baxter's voice i was dead sure about him he'd always had a highish voice talked as a gentleman talks d'ye see for of course he was brought up that way highly edicated you understand what were these three talking about asked scarterfield far as i could make out about ship's fittings answered fish something of that sort anyway but i didn't take much notice of their talk i was too much taken up watching baxter and growing more certain every minute you see that it was him excepting that a few years does make a bit of difference and that he's grown a beard i didn't see no great alteration in him yet i see one thing i asked scarterfield what now 
"'A scar on his left cheek,' replied Fish. "'What begun underneath his beard has covered most of it, "'and went up to his cheekbone, just an inch or so showing, do you understand? "'That's been knife's work, thinks I to myself. "'You've had your cheek laid open with a knife, my lad, somewhere and somehow. "'Struck me, then, he'd grown a beard to hide it.' "'Very likely,' assented Scarterfield. "'Well, and what happened? You spoke to this man?' "'I waited and watched,' continued Fish. "'I'm one as has been trained to use his eyes. "'Now I see two or three little things about this man "'as I remembered about Baxter. "'There was a way he had of chucking up his chin. "'There it was. "'Another of playing with his watch-chain when he talked. "'It was there. "'And of slapping his leg with his walking-stick. "'That was there, too. "'Jim,' I says to my mate, "'if that ain't a man I used to know, I'm a Dutchman.' which, of course, I ain't. And so, when the three of them sets down their glasses and turns to the door, I jumps up and makes for my man, holding out a hand to him, friendly. And then, of course, come all the surprise. "'Didn't know you, I suppose,' suggested Scarterfield. "'I tell you what happened,' answered Fish. "'Morning, Mr. Baxter,' says I. "'It's a long time since I've had the pleasure of seeing you, sir.' and as i say shoves my hand out hearty he turns and gives me a hard keen look not taken aback mind you but searching like you're mistaken my friend he says quiet but pleasant you're taking me for somebody else what says i all of a heap ain't you mr netherfield baxter what i used to know at blythe up way north that i'm certainly not says he as cool as the north pole then i ax your pardon sir says i and all i can say is that i never see two gentlemen so much alike in all my born days and hoping no offence not at all says he as pleasant as might be they say everybody has a double and at that he gives me a polite nod and out he goes with his pals and i turns back to shanks jim says i don't let me ever trust my eyes and ears no more jim i says i'm a breaking up jim that's what it is thinking i sees things when i don't stow all that says jim what's a practical sort of man you was only mistook says he i've been in that case more than once he says wherever there's a man there's another somewheres that is like him as two peas is like each other let's go home to dinner he says so we went off to the lodgings and at first i was sure i'd been mistaken but later and now well i ain't that there man was netherfield baxter you feel sure of it suggested scarterfield i certain master declared fish i've had time to think it over and to reckon it all up and now i'm sure it was him only he wasn't going to let out that it was now, if I'd only chanced on him when he was by himself, what? You'd have got just the same answer, said the detective laconically. He didn't want to be known. You saw no more of him in Hull, of course. Yes, I did, answered Fish. I saw him again that night. And, as regards one of them at any rate, in queerish company. What was that? asked Scarterfield. Well, replied Fish, me and Jim Shanks, we went home to dinner, couple of roast chickens and a nice bit of sirloin to follow, 
and after that we'd had a nice comfortable sleep for the rest of the afternoon, and then, after a wash-up and a drop of tea, we went out to look round the town a bit for an evening's diversion, d'ye see? Not to any particular place, but just strolling around, like, as sailor-men will, being ashore and stretching their legs. And it so came about that latish in the evening we turned into the smoking-room of the Cross Keys in the market-place. Maybe this here friend of yours, seeing as he's been in Hull, knows that. I know it, Fish, said I. Then you'll know that you goes in at an archway, turns in at your right, and there you are, he said. Well, Shanks and me, we goes in casual-like, not expecting anything that you wouldn't expect. But we'd no sooner sat us down in that smoking-room and taken an observation than I sees the very same man that I'd seen at the Goose and Crane, him that I'd taken for Baxter. There he was in a corner of the room, and the other smart-dressed man with him, their glasses in front of them, and their cigars in their mouths. And with them there was something else that I certainly didn't go for to expect to see in that place. What? asked Scarterfield. What I seen plenty of time and again in various parts of this here world, and ain't so mighty fond of seeing, answered Fish with a scowl. A chink. A what? demanded the detective. A chink? He means a Chinaman, said I. That's it, isn't it, Fish? That's it, Governor, assented Fish. A yellow-skinned, slit-eyed, thin-fingered Chinee, with a face like an image and a voice like silk, which, he added, scowling more than ever, is pison that I can't abide nohow, having seen more than enough of. I looked at Scarterfield. He had been attentive enough all through the course of our visitor's story, but I saw that his attention had redoubled since the last words. A Chinaman, he said in a low voice, with him. As I say, master, a Chinee, and with that there man, what, when all's said and done, I'm certain was and is Netherfield Baxter, reiterated Fish. But mind you, and here's the queer part of it, he wasn't no common Chinaman, not the sort you'll see by the score down in Limehouse Way, or in Liverpool, or in Cardiff, not at all. Lord bless you, this here chap was smarter dressed than t'other two. Swell made dark clothes, gold-handled umbrella, kid gloves on his blooming hands, and a silk-top hat. A regular dude, but a chink. Well, said Scarterfield, after a pause, during which he seemed to be thinking a good deal. Anything happen? Nothing happened, Master. What should happen? replied Fish. Them here were in their corner, and Jim Shanks and me, we was in ours. They were busy talking amongst themselves, of course. We heard nothing. And at last all three went out. Did the man you take to be Baxter look at you? asked Scarterfield. Never showed a sign of it, declared Fish. Him and t'other passed us on their way to the door, but he took no notice. See him again anywhere? inquired Scarterfield. No, I didn't, replied Fish. I left Hull early next morning and went to see relatives of mine at South Shields. Only came home a day or two since, and happening to pass the time of day with the widow Ormthwaite this morning, I told her what I've told you. 
then she told me that you was inquiring about baxter governor so i comes along here to see you what might you be wanting with my gentleman now scarterfield told fish enough to satisfy and quiet him and presently the man went away having first told us that he would be at home for another month when he had gone scarterfield turned to me there he said what do you think of that mr middlebrook what do you think of it i suggested i think that netherfield baxter is alive and active and up to something he answered and i'd give a good deal to know who that chinaman is who is with him but there's other ways of finding out a lot now that i've heard all this mr middlebrook i'm off to hull come with me until that instant such an idea had never entered my mind but i made up my mind there and then i will said i we'll see this through scarterfield get a timetable chapter fourteen